Hey, teachers, you're listening to the thing that we do on Fridays or you're watching the thing that we do on Fridays because we're on Facebook, too. But we got a lot of listeners to our to the podcast version. It's me, Brother Lawson. I'm here with Brother Wing. How are you, Brother Wing? Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, you, you look a little sad. Is it because we're not in Isaiah anymore? Yeah, I am sad about that. Don't be sad. sad. And Lamentations is coming, so you have to be sad then, right? Yeah, you got to put on your sad face. Yeah, one of the things, we're going to be in Jeremiah. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet, and you'll see as you read the, the Jeremiah, just there's not a lot of rainbows and butterflies in the, in the book of Jeremiah. Um, Jeremiah was a Levite. That's just something to, someone ought to make up a song like that about Jeremiah, that we could learn a lot of stuff about Jeremiah. He was a Levite, and uh, this week in seminary, uh, we're going to be studying. We got three days in Jeremiah. We got two doctrinal mastery days, um, but it's going to be a good week. I think your students, Brother Wing and I, were just talking a little bit about Jeremiah beforehand, and and maybe Brother Wing, let's set the stage for Jeremiah because I think if our students understand the context of Jeremiah, they're going to have a, a much better experience, and I think that they'll be able to internalize and think, hey, maybe Jeremiah is actually talking to me. So what are some, let's just say for Jeremiah, let's, what are some contextual things that might be important for our students to really know before they dive into Jeremiah? Yeah, so I think what's, I think it'd be exciting for the students to recognize, you know, the connection of when Jeremiah was, he's about a hundred years after Isaiah. So even though it's the next book, it's a it's a long time after. And so Jeremiah is prophesying to prophets that are uh, or sorry, to kings and, and the nation of Israel, uh, Judah, when it's around um, like with these like Josiah, you know, and I remember him. And, and then when Lehi comes onto the scene. So in first Nephi chapter one, verse four. This is the part that I think would be fun for the students is to see that when it says that there were many prophets prophesying unto the people, well, Jeremiah would have been one of those prophets. And then in first Nephi chapter five, when they, you know, they go back and they get the brass plates in chapter five, verse 13, when they're talking about what, what was on the brass plates, it says also the prophecies of holy prophets from the beginning even down to the commencement of the reign of Zedekiah and also many prophecies, which have been spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah. So even though he was, he was alive at the time they had, I guess they were actively <laughs> keeping this up to date. Right. And so Jeremiah's prophecies, many of them were on the brass plates. And so they would have known Nephites would have known about Jeremiah and studied his words. And so that's pretty great. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, a lot of what Jeremiah is going to be prophesying about is the reason why, you know, Lehi took off out of Jerusalem was the Babylon was going to come and take over, uh, take over Israel. And so Jeremiah was, was prophesying saying, here's what your life is going to be like. Um, it's going to be really hard. He also prescribed some, some, some remedies for some opportunities for the, 
for them to repent, even though they're going to be in the midst of, of, of captivity and, and hard things happening to them. I think that ultimately, um, as you know, Jeremiah may have, you know, I don't know what it would have been like to be a prophet like Jeremiah. He didn't seem to have a lot of, he didn't talk about any success he had of people turning their hearts to God and repenting. And so I think one of the things that would be great just to help Jeremiah feel better as he's up in, in, in heaven and, you know, looking down on us studying this week and next week, his book is if we internalize his message, we're like, okay, Jeremiah, I hear you. And I'm going to take to heart. I'm going to believe you. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take to heart the messages that you have, and I'm going to repent and change. And so even though the children of Israel in his day, uh, didn't listen to him, uh, and were and listen to other false prophets preach, uh, we could listen to him and he can be a true prophet for us, uh, instead. So this seems to me, as I read uh, the first 29 chapters here of Jeremiah, it seems like not only is Jeremiah dealing with the age old problem among the house of Israel of idols, but now we got, uh, we got false prophets coming in and telling telling the people hey don't worry about babylon there's nothing but it's it's not going to be as bad as everybody's saying these guys are over the top you know don't listen to them and so now jeremiah's not only fighting idolatry but he's fighting even within the church basically people who are saying how oh, these our leaders our prophets don't know what they're talking about and that's a message that i think resonates in our day today i i you see that on social media, your students see that on social media, people um, criticizing the prophets or, or, or coming up with ways that, hey, the church would be better if maybe all the apostles retired. I just read an article the other day that they're saying, yeah, if the apostles retired when they were 72, then that would make the church a lot better instead of having really old guys as, as prophets and apostles. And so, you hear those false messages, and sometimes those false messages come from within the church. And just as a, as a side note, make sure like um, that you, the, if you stay in the scriptures, the chances that you telling your students things that are false and wrong go way down. Once you start uh, speculating and, and throwing out your own opinions on stuff, then that's seminary isn't a, isn't a great place to do that. So stick with the scriptures, stay in scripture feasting and, and let, let Jeremiah and Isaiah and, and those guys be responsible for, for teaching doctrine to, to your students. So that's great counsel. Really oh, good. All right. So let's start in Jeremiah. Well, we've got a doctrinal mastery day right off the bat on Monday, Isaiah 58. That's a good one. Do the doctrinal mastery bookmark. Uh, just walk your students through those steps. Um, then we got Jeremiah one through three. And I actually think that you have some, some great opportunities for, for scripture feasting. Remember once you, you know, establish the context, share with your students, maybe some of the things that we just shared for the context, but also look at the teacher's manual See if there's just uh, some concise, short, concise context that you can share with your students about Jeremiah so they can, in a sense, <clears throat> put their feet on the ground next to Jeremiah and see what he's seen. If they can see what he's seen, then, uh, then they're more likely to understand what he's saying. And so uh, don't just jump right into Jeremiah. Make sure that they're, they're standing in Jeremiah, right next to Jeremiah, looking at what he's, 
what he's seeing, and then they'll understand what he's saying. So start us off on Jeremiah chapter one. What, how we uh, we'll do one through three that day? What are you thinking for scripture facing those days, brother Wing? Yeah. So after you've set up a context, you know, like you've told them, here's where Jeremiah fits historically. You make this little connection with the Book of Mormon that you know First Nephi one and First Nephi five talk about him or refer to him, and then they can kind of it'll it'll set them up because in Jeremiah chapter one, verse three, it mentions Zedekiah. So now they've kind of reconnected that. Um, but I, but this is how I would set up scripture feasting for chapter one, or this is one way to do it. Um, ask the students, like, what do you, what is a doctrine? Like, do you, like when we say a doctrine, what do we mean by that? Or, a, or, a a truth, you know, a, a principle, you know, what a belief of the church, you know? And so you can kind of talk to them, um, about this. And then I would just say, look for truths you know in jeremiah one what's it it's telling you kind of a story and giving you some background but then what is it teaching like what is a religious spiritual belief that's mentioned here or referred to here or you know and and let them just kind of walk through there and see especially the first 10 verses you know and just like and then i would kind of encourage them like when you find one write it out in a complete sentence. If you can just do your best. It doesn't have to be perfect, but just try to write it out in a complete sentence. So they might get to verse five, you know, and you don't need to kind of give them a heads up about pre-mortal existence, but just kind of see if they can find it, you know, and, and what they, what they see about that. You might also see where like so many other prophets, Jeremiah, he just doesn't want to do this. You know, he doesn't feel qualified for it. And that's just same with like Moses and Enoch and Gideon and uh, Saul, all these other people that got callings from the Lord. They just didn't feel like they measured up. And um, he has his excuses, uh, you know, but then the Lord has his way of responding to that, you know, and it's pretty similar to how he responded to other prophets as well. But you even get this, you know, at the end of verse nine, where the Lord says, uh, the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, I have put my words in thy mouth, you know? And so, you know, a, a doctrine would be that, you know, we speak by the authority of God or the Lord, the Lord can uh, empower us and strengthen us beyond our own power, you know, or we, we're not preaching our own words. We're preaching the Lord's words, which goes back to your counsel that we're not going to speculate about our own stuff. We're going to just, say what God says, you know? Right. Um, but, uh, and then it's kind of cool to, after they've identified some of these doctrines, then you can kind of work on it a little bit and analyze this. And even on that last one, you could say something like, how does the Lord do that? How does the Lord put words in your mouth? You know, and anybody had a time when you felt like the Lord did that for you, you know, and that, that would, that would be a cool discussion here. Yeah, I think so. I was just thinking as you're sharing that, um, I think this was. I think your students could have an op, an awesome opportunity in Jeremiah one to um, to talk a little bit about what Elder Rasband challenged them to do in conference, and that is to share the gospel with others. I in that in that conference, as Elder Rasband was uh, talking about being bold and talking about the Book of Mormon, he said, "Share the Book of Mormon with," and they named a whole bunch of people. But one of the one of the people he he mentioned uh, to share the Book of Mormon with, he's like, "Share with your soccer coach." My son's playing soccer and he is like 
his soccer coach he fears mightily right and so he looked at me he's like share the book of mormon with my soccer coach right all of your students want to have a an, a missionary experience they all want to have a great missionary experience um but many of your students are afraid of that experience mostly because they feel like they don't know what they'd say they they feel a lot like jeremiah all right so i think in your scripture feasting you might set it up like that you might show them a, a quote from uh elder rinlin and say hey elder rinlin's challenged you to do this what are your concerns about doing this and just have them talk about some of the concerns they have about sharing the gospel with their friends and with their with their neighbors and teachers and soccer coaches and say well you know what see if any of the feelings that you feel maybe even write some of those on the board and say would you just jump into the scriptures and see what does how does jeremiah relate to you and what are some of the things that the lord tells him to help him i love in verse 17 where um where the lord tells him to to gird up thy loins arise and speak don't be dismayed uh, at their faces, right? And so I've I've made thee this day a defense city and an iron pillar. So the Lord's like, hey, I'm just using you, Jeremiah. You can be scared all you want, but I'm I'm just going to use you uh, to to speak to these people. And so I think your students could have a good job or a good time scripture feasting relating to Jeremiah. And this might be a great way to kick off the next two weeks with Jeremiah. Is hey, Jeremiah is more like me than then, you know, he's not some unobtainable prophet that I can't relate to. He's a guy that is nervous about doing this, doesn't think he can do it. And let's see what the Lord tells him. So I think that's a good way to, to jump into chapter one. Yeah. And the emphasis on the fact that the Lord tells him repeatedly, I am with thee. Yeah. Yeah. That's the good one. Yep. And many of your students, I mean, the, the temptation would be, and I guess it's not a terrible idea that you know, to talk about the future, like when they're on a mission or whatever. But I think it's better to relate it to right now while they're in high school. Uh, and, you know, they hear President Nelson say, they hear their leaders say, hey, share the gospel with other people. And they want to have, I think it's important to realize they, they want to have spiritual experiences. They'd love for all of their friends to join the church, but they're not sure how that's going to happen. Right. And so Jeremiah is the same way. He would like all of his friends to to repent and join the church and keep covenants, but he's not sure how that's going to happen either. So, yeah. All right. So, uh, oh, went all the way to chapter three there. Chapter two, you got, uh, I think you got some great counsel from, from the Lord for, from Jeremiah to the people, uh, from the Lord to repent and to change. I like the, the symbol or the, the little object lesson about um, washing the iniquity from you. Um, also, there's an imagery of Israel as wandering, playing the harlot. Um, what do you see in chapter two, Brother Wing, that we could uh, have this have the student scripture feast on? I really like five and six too. Yeah, I think that there. I mean, yeah, it's chapter five. Two, sorry, chapter two and three really focus on how the Lord, or sorry, how the people are, why it's such a scary proposition. Like, why mm -hmm. would Jeremiah be nervous about this? Why would he not totally want to do it? You know, it's like, well, verse five, you know, they've, um, they have walked after vanity and become vain, you know, or verse 13, 
of chapter two, for my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken the fountain of living waters. And then they've, then they got like broken cisterns. Like they can't, what they do have isn't going to sustain them anyway. You know, it's like, it's like, it's really, it's really bad. It's right. like double whammy there. And then, you know, verse 19, it, it gives this word for the first time of many times where Jeremiah uses this word backslidings. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, there's a cool thing that you could do with that with right here in uh, chapter two, verse 19, but as well as it's repeated often in chapter three and then more times throughout the book of Jeremiah. So that's a, there's a fun thing that you could do with that um, to talk about what is what does that mean? How do we do this? You could show them an image of shoots and ladders, that old children's game and talk about backsliding and, and just how, you know, you can lose progress um, unless you stay committed to the Lord. This is the reason why we would focus on covenants and that phrase that you hear in general conference so often about the covenant path, you know, and that we're going to, we're going to be strengthened by our covenants to not backslide. Um, But this was the whole thing. And so, yeah, you, you refer to this idea of playing the harlot. They're, they're just, they're so unfaithful to the Lord. And that's repeated in chapter three, verse one as well. I also like, by the way, so what I'm saying is, is chapter two might be a good place to just pick out some selected verses here that I'm doing and then show where the people are in trouble. And then you can do a little more. Uh, and then that might set up chapter three for an, an additional study. But before I get to chapter three, I like verse uh, 27 and 28. Um, thou hast, I'm picking up in the middle of verse 27. Thou hast brought me forth for they have turned their back unto me and not their face, but in, but in the time of their trouble, they will say, arise and save us, you know, and then verse 28, but where are thy gods that thou hast made? Let yeah. them arise if they can save thee in the time of thy trouble. I mean, it's a really great point. And when this is, this is the point Isaiah made before too, that your false gods do not actually end up doing anything to, to uh, save you. Like when you're really in trouble, they don't, they don't do it, you know, and they're just a, they're just a burden that you've been carrying around uh, for a long time, but you put your trust in them. And then when they're really, when you really need help, they're silent and uh, in uh, like not don't have the power to do anything for you. So this is kind of a really stark point to say like, well, let's see what your gods can do on this one. And it's pretty miserable at that point. Well, and I like that in chapter two, that Jeremiah points out, you know, all the things that the children of Israel have no evidence to complain about, right? When they're in, in verse five and six, he's reminding them, Hey, did your fathers, did they say that I didn't take care of them? Did you ever hear them say that um, it was vain that they worshiped me, that, um, that the Lord has left me? He was reminding them that where they came from, their ancestors believed in him and they were taken care of. And now they've decided to carve little things into wood and stone and say that this is what's going to save me. This is what's going to feed me in the wilderness. This is what's going to part the Red Sea. And he said, now that's, I mean, has that, is that, how's that working for you? Right. As Dr. Phil would say, how's that, how are those, how are those little gods treating you? Are they, you're finding great blessings from them. And so I think that's maybe a great discussion of a question that you can ask your students to help them 
take effective righteous action is have them remember in what ways have you seen God interact with you in your life how or your family's life when when have you known that God has has been a part of your life and and what was going on in your life that allowed that to happen um and maybe challenge your students to think about well what do they need to be doing to to remember God the true God of Israel instead of the other places that we might look to for comfort or blessings or um or peace that are only temporary so i think that i think chapter two could be a pretty good one for scripture feasting and chapter three is very similar uh to chapter two with him again um talking about the the well he uses that term backsliding again i think in chapter three somewhere i remember reading that yeah yeah and so that backsliding that you know the way i look at sometimes the way i talk about that is that the spiritual experiences leak right it's like we carry them around in a bucket with the hole in them and so we have to constantly having be having new spiritual experiences and filling up that bucket the same thing applies with our testimonies right that if we if we're not working on those if we're not if we're not trying to have the holy ghost in our life then we are going to start backsliding and we're going to forget and start relying on different things so is there anything that you see? What do you see in chapter three? Yeah, that might be where I kind of focus on this backsliding idea. And, you know, one way to do it is just have the students first, just go through and in your scriptures, highlight every time you see the word backsliding, mm-hmm. you know, and count them up, you know, and, and did we get them all, you know, and make sure they got them all marked and then go back. And now that you've highlighted every time you just, cause you scan it at first now read them. Like read the context of each place where it says backsliding. And then what did you learn um, there? Because it's not all negative. You know, I mean, the, 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 the term is negative, but what surrounds the term in Jeremiah's message here, there's some pretty positive ones. You know, even like, for example, um, verse 22, return yeah. ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. You know, like, like, yeah, you made a mistake. Yeah, you were with me and then you rejected me and you slid back down, but I will heal you. I can bring you back. And so the Lord is calling these people back. And this goes to your point that you said earlier that um, uh, it's true that the people seem to reject Jeremiah. It's pretty sad, you know, that supposedly he was unsuccessful in his mission because, you know, the people didn't accept him. I mean, but we're, we're reading this, you know? Mm -hmm. So if I'm in 2022 and I'm sitting here going, I backslid a little bit, but look in verse 22, God can heal me. I can, I can respond to Jeremiah's message. And would that not wipe away some of his tears, you know, to hear, to know that in 2022, we're, we're studying his words and we're actually going to follow his counsel. Unlike the people that were contemporary to him. So I am, I think that could bring us some comfort. Our, our students could look at it that way. Like I'm going to yeah. comfort Jeremiah by taking effective righteous action on what he's teaching here. You know, I think that you could, I think that you could just do, you could do scripture feasting, I think on just those last five verses of Jeremiah three and Jeremiah where um, I think it's a, a great verses 20 through 25. I think that's a great 
pattern or a great example of what the pattern of repentance looks like. I mean, he starts off with a pretty intense example. Um, he says he compares Israel or us as a, if you can imagine a wife treacherously departing from her husband. That's an interesting word that they, uh, surely as a wife treacherously departeth from her husband, so have ye dealt treacherously with me. Uh, so this is a, a risky thing that you've done. You've left me. And then the rest of this, 21 through 25, is here's how you come back. Here's how this wife comes back to her husband. Uh, here's how we come back to God. And you can have your students scripture feast and look for what do you see? What do you learn about repentance uh, just from these verses? Like, for example, um, in verse 23, it's vain to think that salvation comes from the hills. Salvation only comes from God. So you're going to have to actually turn to him. Um, and it's going to be hard. You're going to feel like you're going to feel shame and you're going to feel guilt for what you've done. Uh, but uh, if we obey the, the voice of the Lord, we can come back. Uh, and so it's going to be hard. There's going to be just like a wife come, a wife who's dealt treacherously and left her husband. It's going to be hard to come back, but the husband is willing to accept her back and the Lord is willing to have us back. I think that imagery is going to be used very uh, throughout or in a, in a few more places in the Old Testament, especially when we get to, to Hosea. Um, you know, when we think about the hardest time, the hardest thing to forgive somebody of, and the Lord uses that as an example of, yeah, I can, I will forgive that. And um, I can forgive you. So, all right. So the next day, uh, we got a we got a scripture another scripture feasting day or a scripture what do we call that doctrinal mastery day, <laughs> um, Jeremiah one four through five. Uh, again, that's a great that's one of the most popular scriptures in Jeremiah in our church. It's one of the, we're the ones that only ones that understand that. Everyone else, other Christian religions, explain that away differently than the way that we understand it. But then the the next day in Jeremiah is Jeremiah 4 through 16. That's a huge block. How can we cover 4 through 16 in one day, Brother Wing? I know. We're going to have to be a little selective, you know, but, yes. but also just help them see this message continues. And Jeremiah has much more to say. You know, you probably want to start in chapter 7, you know, and, I agree. and uh, focus there. But there's some really cool cool things in chapter seven uh, still though he's he's you know preaching against their sins but i really like um i'm going to skip to the end here but it says in verse 27 therefore thou shalt speak all these words unto them but they will not hearken to thee thou shalt also call unto them but they will not answer thee so why go you know, the Lord's sending Jeremiah on this mission to, to speak these words. So why go? And I guess what I, what I think is, and this goes, we've already said this, but this is another way to emphasize this to the students, that um, you can emphasize the word not hearken. You know, thou shalt speak all these words unto them, but they will not hearken unto thee. So, oh man, this is going to be miserable. Jeremiah's going to have a terrible time. Why is the Lord even sending them on this mission if they're not going to? mission if they're not going to listen to him anyway but maybe we could focus on the word they like what if the lord was winking like 
Therefore, thou shalt speak all these words unto them, but they will not hearken unto thee, as if to say someone else will hearken unto thee. And it's Jeff right here in the seminary class. Right. He's going to hearken. You know, he's going to do it. So let's go back to the beginning of chapter seven and let's just read this and let's look for ways that we are going to hearken to Jeremiah. Let's find a way that we can follow his counsel and do something different in your life. So that might, you could key off of verse 27 to set up a scripture feasting for chapter seven. I like that. You know, one of the, like I mentioned at the beginning, one of the main problems that that Jeremiah faced, not only talking with the children of Israel and exhorting them to please put away your idols, was the false prophets that were in the land. There were prophets everywhere, and you're going to read about them all throughout Jeremiah, these prophets that the people were listening to that were saying things counter to what Jeremiah was saying. And they were saying they were saying that the Lord had told them to say that. And so we've got we got Jeremiah saying one thing, we got other prophets prophets saying other things and so the people now get to choose right? they have to choose which prophet they're going to listen to and i think that uh one of the messages of jeremiah is how do you find how do you recognize the voice of a true prophet and and jeremiah i think shows that in chapter seven that uh what true prophets will will prophesy of and what false prophets false prophets uh, will prophesy of false things in order to gain uh, attention and praise and um, and followers, things like that. I don't know how many followers Jeremiah had, but he sure was concerned about the number of followers that the, the false prophets had uh, in his day. And so he warned them, um, like in verse seven, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. One of the things that you can you can see is, one of the one of the ways that you can tell if you're following a true prophet is what are the results that come into your life from following a true prophet uh is there do you see the fruits of the spirit happening in your life are you are the are the prophets you're following encouraging you to keep commandments in verse in verse nine we talk about will you steal murder and commit adultery and swear falsely uh and um and so I think it's important to maybe to help your students understand that that true prophets are going to lead you to true happiness. False prophets are going to I mean, there's there's definitely there's going to be some temporary advantage to following a, a false prophet. But the eternal the eternal blessings or long lasting blessings of of joy and happiness just aren't going to be there. And I think that's one of the messages that Jeremiah has for for all these folks. Yeah, it goes with what Jesus said, you know, by their fruits, you shall know them. That's how to detect, you know, a false prophet from a true prophet. You know, you look yeah. at the results that it has in your life and does it lead you to do good? And if not, then not a good, not a good message. Yeah. You yeah. Know, by the way, that's I, chapter three, back in chapter three, verse 15, mm -hmm. the Lord said, I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. You know, like the Lord's going to give them, but then here's the opposite, what you're talking about. There's going to be these false prophets and you're going to have to learn how to discern between a true prophet and a false prophet. Right. 
I also like, I think that I would, you know, chapter 12 of Jeremiah would be a great one, I think, for, for students to scripture piece on. There's a great question that I think you could put on the board and just kind of to get the class rolling. And, the, and you might put on the board this question, why are wicked people happy? This is a, this is a question that Jeremiah asks, right? Um, in chapter 12, verse, verse 1, uh, he says, Righteous art thou, O Lord, when I plead with thee, yet let me talk with thee of thy judgments. So he says, I got, I got a question for you. Wherefore doth the way of the wicked prosper? Wherefore are all they that, wherefore are all they happy that deal very treacherously? This is a, this is a question that, uh, that Jeremiah has. I would simply just put that on the board and say, go ahead and read chapter 12 and see what you can learn. Uh, see if we, you can get an answer to that question um, or just some not necessarily the answer but what are some truths that would help us understand why is it that that wicked people are why do they have nice things why are why do they laugh and and seem to be super happy at times all right and and see what they can learn from chapter 12. I think that's awesome. I mean, that talking about relevance, you know, mm-hmm. and what we want for the students, they're going to, they're going to latch onto that really easily. And that would be a great scripture feast team. Yeah. Some good stuff in there. By the way, I want to comment on verse five. Yeah. Cause when Jeremiah is like, this is not working out, <laughs> you know, he's <laughs> like, this is the wicked or prospering. This is, you know, and here comes the Lord's comfort. If thou hast run with the footmen and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with the horses? You know, um, and so he's, he's it's kind of like, mean? that's a good, what does that mean? Brother Wayne? Well, so, okay, here's how I've heard other people interpret this. They have said, basically, this is a message to Jeremiah. They say, well, look, this is nothing compared to what it's going to be. You know, like it's going to get worse. And so if you're complaining now, then, you know, and that's what I've heard other people say about this. And I think there's probably at least some truth to that, but it sure doesn't sound that comforting. Like when you're talking to the Lord, you know, the Lord's like, oh, well, just quit your whining, Jeremiah. It's going to get worse than this. Like that to me doesn't sound very comforting. But what if it, what if it still has that same kind of idea, but maybe perhaps the real message that the Lord is sending here is saying, I'm preparing you, Jeremiah. So like, this is, this is a really difficult, seemingly unsex, unsuccessful situation right now, but I'm preparing you for greater success later with the horses. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it will be a higher challenge, you know, like with um, David, you know, he fought the lion and the bear, but then in his future, he had this Goliath coming that was much bigger, but he was confident and prepared for the Goliath because of this earlier challenge, you know, with the footman, you know? Um, and so maybe when we're going through a difficult trial, we're not, we're a little confused. We don't know what's going on here. Maybe the Lord's saying the same thing to us, like, Hey, hang in there or endure this well, because I'm preparing you for success in a, in a much greater way later so just take what you get from this and be happy with it um, or content in, in the learning and the growth that comes through it. That to me is a much more positive message than what I've heard others say about verse five. 
<laughs> I like that. I also like in verse 13, when the Lord says, speaking of the wikis, like, hey, they have sown wheat, but shall reap thorns. They have put themselves to pain, or they take painful steps to uh, taking pains to be wicked, but shall not profit. And they shall be, this part I like, they shall be ashamed of your revenues because of the fierce anger of the Lord. So they're going to see, the Lord assures Jeremiah, hey, listen, it's going to work out great for you. You're going to be just fine. Uh, you might be seeing people around you prosper and have great things happen to them, and they're not keeping covenants. They're not keeping commandments. It's going to work out great for you. It's it's This isn't a neener neener. The wicked are going to suffer one day. This is a quit worrying about what the what's happening for the wicked. They're going to I think it was it back in verse or chapter two or three where the Lord says that their wickedness is going to correct them. All right. They're going to be, you can't sin and expect not to suffer. It's all, it's going to happen sooner or later. It's going to happen. Uh, and likewise, when you're righteous, that doesn't mean that you are instantly blessed. It might be a little bit way down the road. And so we might be tempted to ask questions like, or just kind of think, Oh man, what point is it? For me keeping all these commandments if my life isn't great right now and a lot of people unfortunately end up leaving the gospel or pushing the gospel aside because they're not being blessed right now and it's not working i paid my tithing and i can't pay my rent this month and so this tithing didn't work right or or something like that and uh and that's unfortunate when when that type of thing happens, people lose their faith that way. Okay. How far were we going on that second? We got chapter seven, chapter 12. Those are some good scripture feasting chapters. We go all the way till 16 on that day, 16 on that day. Is there any other good 14 has some good stuff. I think if it were me, um, Oh, 16 is good, huh? There's some good missionary scriptures and, in in 16 yeah verses 14 through 16 especially verse 16 with the hunters and fishers that's it yeah and we are in hunting season and you you know that might be kind of a fun thing for just as a side note if you have a kid who's a hunter um it might be kind of fun to have them compare how hunting or fishing is like uh finding people to share the gospel with like draw as many applications as you can, like what you have to do uh, to find those. I like that the Lord says that, you, that you're going to have to go hunt them in every mountain and every hill and out of the holes of the rocks. And um, so that might be an interest. There's some good, there's, I think maybe I'd just do some scripture feasting on those three verses there, 14 through 16. There'll be some good ones there. Yeah. You know, do, uh, do you have a bug assault? I've heard about the bug assaults. I've used one actually. Uh, those are pretty awesome. Yeah. So I keep I keep mine on right on top of my fridge. We should have our podcast sponsored by Bug Assault. <laughs> we should. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> I'm about to give a good advertisement for them. But this is an analogy for the hunters and fishers because I keep it right on top of my fridge. I haven't have it like pointed in the exact same direction. So <laughs> that when I see a fly. I can like keep my eyes on the fly because I want to watch this guy 
And then I can reach up without, <laughs> I can reach up without looking and grab the bug assault, <laughs> cock it, and then, and then kill that fly. And um, he's not going to get away from me, you know? And so um, I think this is like the missionary idea that we're hunting, but it's kind of like, you're just, you're looking for opportunities. You're ready for it, you know? Yeah. So then when you see the opportunity, you know what to do, you know, you, you share, you share your belief or you um, you're willing to talk. You're, you're comfortable and confident talking about the scriptures because you study them so much, you know? And so you're just ready, you know? And so just like you got a bug of salt on top of your fridge, you're ready to. <laughs> At to any moment. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I imagine you might have some students share some good hunting stories there as well. Shooting deer out of car windows and things like that. These, <laughs> <laughs> these parts yeah all right so the last day that friday we got 17 through 29 um i think there's some great uh, chapter 18 i think it'd be a great uh scripture feasting one what else you got for that that last day brother wing yeah so 17 i mean i can't say that i love the entire chapter but it's pretty good you know so that's a that's a pretty good one to study five through eight has some great counsel in there. So yeah. this is, this is, to me, 17 would be kind of a chapter where you can just turn them loose and say, look, just go, go into that chapter. Yeah. Um, pick a question from the bookmark, see what you find. It's got some pretty good stuff at the end of that about Sabbath day, which you can connect back to the doctrinal mastery passages mm-hmm. they studied on Monday, 18, you could play with Plato for a second or something like have them make something and shape it, you know, and then look at the uh, the uh, metaphor, the object lesson that Jeremiah uses with the potter and the clay. And you can talk about how how does the Lord shape you or mold you? What can you do to be more moldable, you know, and become what the Lord wants you to become? You know, like there's some really great um, ideas with that. You know, along with that, um, just I, I really like, and I don't know, I think maybe your students might like verse 10 of chapter one or chapter one, uh, 17. So I like that scripture feasting on five through eight. You might even go all the way to verse 10, verse 10, where the, the says, I, the Lord search the heart and I try the reins. That might be an interesting uh, phrase, two phrases that, that you could discuss with your students. You know, imagine the Lord like he's searching your heart and he's trying the reins. What does he, what does that even mean? Um, so he's looking at where your heart is, not just what your actions are, but, but what do you feel the feel? Are you believing the belief? And, and I try the reins. Are you going to, if I pull, uh, if I kind of tug on the reins, are you going to go with me or are you going to pull back and not want to, to follow me? And so again, maybe if you have someone that's, a horseback rider or something like that. Say, so what does it mean to try the reins and how can you compare that to the Lord working with you? What does it mean that he's going to try your reins? So he's going to ask you to go somewhere that maybe you don't want to go or do something. Maybe you don't want to do even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. So he, he wants to see what you're, what you're um, willing to do for him and with him. So uh, talk about being moldable. I think that's, yeah. that's pretty good. That is good. That, you know, so it's kind of like you, you study this in chapter 17 and 18, 
and you see some cool things here, even some great object lessons. Mm-hmm. And perhaps then, you know, the the students might be like, yeah, Jeremiah, this is great. You know, Jeremiah would have been a great seminary teacher, you know, to have here, you know, and he, he's awesome. <laughs> well, how would how would you react to Jeremiah? Well, how do the people react? Let's look at chapter 20. Oh. And oh, have him start to read chapter 20 and see what happens there. His seminary student didn't like him very much. Yeah. This Pasher yeah, had that guy student is... named Pasher who smoked <laughs> Jeremiah the prophet and put him in stocks. They probably, your students, maybe they've gone to Silver Dollar City or you know, and got put in those um, those old time things, you know, the, uh, those stocks. Just Google it. But I'm, good. I'm not going to be able to explain it. But uh, even while Jeremiah is in stocks, he still wants to magnify his seminary teacher calling. And I love verse nine, where he's like, I can't even, even in this condition, I'm going to, to keep preaching. As long as I've got the word of the Lord in me, it's like a burning fire shut up in my bones. And, um, and those are the very best teachers, the ones that are super excited about the word of God. Those are the best missionaries. Those are the best friends to have in high school those are just the best people ever yeah and i think there's also some comfort for us in that verse as well about look it's not always going to be awesome in fact there'll be times where you're tempted to say what jeremiah's saying that's it i'm done <laughs> you know i'm not talking about jesus anymore you know <laughs> i'm not going to do this like it's you know so you might have some difficult experiences along the way but as like you said, if we, but we almost immediately will feel the comfort from the Lord. We'll feel the fire in our bones um, from from the faith that the Lord has given to us, and we'll just be like, "I gotta do it, though," you know. Like, and so it'll it'll help us to keep uh, going forward in spite of the opposition that's around us. Right. Right. Okay, that's some good scripture feasting on that last day. Are there other, I, I think those, are those the best chapters to scripture feast on the last day? Yeah. You got another one oh. for us? Well, I like two verses in chapter 23. Not that the rest of the chapter is not great, but I love verse 23 and 24 yeah. in chapter 23. Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? So he's there. He's aware. He's with us. Right? That's a that's just a great uh, passage. But then I also like uh, chapter 20. Well, where is it? 28. Yeah. With this false prophet, Hananiah, this showdown between a true prophet, Jeremiah, and a false prophet, Hananiah. And Hananiah is really just going to just tell the people what they want to hear, regardless of the truth. And so there's a great story there about Jeremiah wearing this yoke and Hananiah comes in and let the students just read this story. And yeah, it's an interesting story. What do you think about this students? You know, check out what happens here. Like it's, it's pretty interesting. Right. You know, it's interesting. I think one of the messages that I got out of that is that prophets can't be 
true prophets can't, it's really hard for them to be identified by those who are not keeping covenants, right? It seems like keeping covenants is the key to be able to identify true prophets. And, and, um, and again, identifying and listening to true, true prophets is really the only way for spiritual safety. Uh, that's why scriptures are so key. Uh, this chapter, like, chapter 28 reminds me so much of King Noah and his high priests and they'd set themselves up as the most righteous. Hananiah was the same way. Um, and then they were offended when, when Abinadi tells them to repent, just like the people are offended and Hananiah is offended when Jeremiah says, Hey, you need to repent. You, the dreams you're having, they're not from God. The revelations you're having, they're not from God. They're not, they're not leading people to make and keep covenants. And so, um, Unfortunately, more and more in our day, we're seeing more and more false prophets creep in. Uh, people who are saying things like, "Well, it doesn't really matter if you do this." I've already, I've already heard, you know, with like the new for strength the youth pamphlet coming out, I've already heard false prophecies about about that from people saying people saying things like, "Oh, well, now we can just do whatever we want," and um, it, it's fine. You, if you feel good about it, then you then it's okay. And so they didn't listen to the true prophet, President U or Elder Uchtdorf. They didn't listen to the true prophet and the, as they, they didn't read the First Strength of Youth pamphlet. They just listened to false prophets who told them, hey, if you feel good about it, then, then the Lord feels good about it too, right? So, all right. So 28 is an interesting story. Um, and then I would say 29 yeah. Maybe just leave, make sure you leave like five minutes at the end of class. Yeah. To tell the students their new favorite scripture. So, because oh. it is, look, I'm telling everybody right now, this is your new favorite passage of scripture Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. I mean, that's just. Great. I think that applies so much, especially when Jeremiah is here calling people out for their wickedness and sins. And that, and us today, as we're applying these and listening, we might we might feel a little called out for our backsliding and mistakes. And yet, is this like a bust out? Like God is mad. He hates us. No, he has thoughts of peace and not of evil toward us. It's only a lack of discernment that would cause us to think that God thinks evil of us or doesn't like us, you know, right. but it's, he has thoughts of peace. And so verse 12, then once you accept this truth, then shall ye call upon me and ye shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you. Like that's, this is really great. And then watch what happens next. Verse 13, and ye shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Those are just some great truths. Really great. That I mean, that's this could almost be a doctrinal mastery passage right here. <laughs> those are great. And what makes them even greater in my mind is the context in which they're given. So Jeremiah is telling the, the house of Israel, hey, you're about to be taken in captivity. I mean, Babylon's about to come bulldoze you, right? And you're going to be out for 70 years. You're going to be in captivity while you're in captivity. Just keep like, make sure you, you have, you get married, like verse six, keep getting married, like have kids, uh, 
do um, seek for peace. Um, don't let, you know, be listening to true prophets. He's basically preparing them for the consequence that, that they're uh, bringing onto their lives because of their wickedness. But he's like, okay, so in this, in this probationary period, the 70 year period, just be working on yourselves. You're going to be, and be, it's only going to last 70 years and you'll be free. But you, when you get free, you got to be spiritual. You got to be better. You got to be great people. Uh, and so when he says, then shall you call on me, it's going to be like, all right, then, you know, this 70 years, you got to come out of this uh, spiritually better than, than when you went into this. And so make sure in this really difficult circumstance that's coming up in your life, make sure you don't forget about me. And it's interesting because I was thinking about this in the Book of Mormon. You'll remember, I just read this and I can't remember where it is, Brother Wing. So you're going to have to remind me. Where was it that we talked about the because of the exceeding long length of the war, uh, many hardened their hearts? Um, but at the same time, because of the exceedingly long length of the war, many were humbled and were, were brought to remember the Lord. And so this time in captivity that they're going to have to Babylon, it needs to be a time where they come to, to know the Lord. And sometimes the results of our sins provide us opportunities to come to know the Lord in ways that we haven't known them yet. That's awesome. Great context for those. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Anything else we want to tell the teachers? But I mean, we're really a couple of really smart guys that know a lot of stuff. I mean, is there anything that we should wax eloquent about teaching now to our teachers? Uh, I think we've covered it today. <laughs> <laughs> we are at the, we've been at the edge of our knowledge probably for the last 30 minutes. And As so... my dad would say, we've, we've already told you more than we know. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to use that. All right, teachers, we hope you enjoyed this and we're glad that you're teaching and you hang in there and, and let your kids stand with Jeremiah, see what he's seeing so that they can one day when they meet him say, I, I listened to what you said, Jeremiah. So thanks. All right, everybody. We love your guts. Stay righteous. <laughs>